Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, property magicians, how are you? So welcome to today's show. It's a solo show by me. My name is Vangile Makwakwa and I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase their income and live their best lives. Usually I do this show with my co-host Dr. Miranda but today I am going to be doing a bonus episode where I'm talking about why families have the same generational money patterns right Uh, because I do a lot of work around money trauma and looking at family dynamics around money and how those um, dynamics then impact the descendants (laughs) our descendants and how we've been impacted by our ancestors management of money or how they made money and how then it either helps us or blocks us okay so if you've just joined then uh, let me just quickly give you a background of who I am and maybe also talk about why I think this is important for property. As I said, I usually do the Property Magicians podcast with Mizo, but I also host the Money Magic series podcast where I actively just interview trauma experts and my students and clients who have done work with me around trauma about what they've understood of trauma and what they've understood about trauma and how it's passed down from generation to generation. So I come from a background where I was really blessed on both sides of my family tree, on my dad and my mom's side, I saw adults uh, getting degrees, becoming doctors, becoming pharmacists, nurses, teachers, lawyers. I saw how they um, were making money from that, but I also saw how they never got financial freedom from that. They had a profession, but they weren't becoming financially free. And much more interesting is that it seemed like they were, most times everyone was um, almost expanding as far as the next person in the family was willing to expand. So, and also that we tend, we tended to repeat the same trauma, uh, the same money patterns as a family. So even if someone was a nurse in the family, they would, especially in my mom's family, Uh, or someone was an engineer, they would have the same money patterns. They would run out of money in the same way. They would um, keep repeating patterns. They would lose property in the same way. Uh, They would uh, get cars repossessed in the same manner. And I just couldn't understand it. And then I decided, okay, the problem is because these people didn't go and they, they didn't go study finance, right? So I'm going to be smart. I'm going to apply to the University of Cape Town and I am going to study finance. And that's literally what happened. Um, I went, I studied finance. I got a um, finance degree and I became a mining and energy analyst and literally within a few months I noticed that I was repeating the same patterns as everybody else in my family and it was driving me crazy. I didn't know why but I thought hmm it's because I'm staying in South Africa and I'm earning South African rands so the best way to not have to deal with this and to do something different is to leave the country and earn in dollars and pounds. And so I did. (laughs) I started traveling. I got jobs in other countries and my finances just went from bad to worse. Then I decided I'm going to get an MBA. 
<laughs> and I got my MBA, moved to Boston, Massachusetts, and the day I got my MBA, I was so depressed. Um, after a few months, like literally maybe about eight months after the uh, after I graduated, I was so depressed I couldn't get out of bed. I had started a company, and I saw myself doing exactly what I had seen my uncle do in his company. Um, I couldn't tell people about my pricing. I couldn't invoice people. Um, I was procrastinating in the same way. So much was just wrong. And eventually I couldn't even manage money. I was having panic attacks whenever I had to deal with money. So this was a problem for me. Um, so that started off my entire journey in this work that I do around trauma and understanding money trauma, right? And why, and I guess one of my favorite things that I work on when it comes to money is ancestral trauma, especially around money and looking at why families have the same financial patterns, Right. So let's start off with explaining what trauma is, because that will start to help you understand um, how trauma is processed and stored in the body. And then I'm also going to share with you some studies done on mice around trauma and uh, intergenerational trauma. And then we'll talk about trauma in the nervous system and how we then pass on trauma from one generation to, uh, to the next as human beings. Okay, so what is trauma? So one of the first things I want to say is that trauma isn't an intellectual exercise. Trauma is something that is stored in the body. It can be passed down from generation to generation. But the most important thing to know is that trauma isn't a big event, right? Trauma is an event that happened too fast for us to be able to process. So, for example, um, a two-year-old, imagine you're a two-year-old, you're on top of a table, you're jumping around, you're excited, you understand the word high and get, uh, and get down and adults start just screaming at you. Oh my God, you're going to fall. Oh my God, it's so unsafe. Oh my gosh. Everything is happening so fast and it's also a little overwhelming. All the adults around you are freaking out. So suddenly you grow up and you don't understand, but why is it that I am so scared of high, of high spaces? Why, does high, why do I have this fear of heights, right? And some of the things is that, oh, wow, every time I got up on a high surface, the adults around me started screaming. So I learned to be scared of heights. But not only did I learn to be scared of heights, is that so much was happening that their fear became my fear. And I didn't know how to process that fear. And so this is an event that happened so fast or was so overwhelming that you didn't have the tools because of how old you were to process that. Now, if you said that to an adult, like if you behaved in the same manner with uh, say a 20 year old, they would not have trauma, right? They probably won't, maybe, <laughs> or maybe they won't, who knows? They may not be triggered in the same way. Why? Because they have the resources to be able to process that event and to integrate it. So trauma is something that happened so quickly that we didn't have the resources or the time to integrate it and to process that event. And trauma is an event that is so overwhelming, again, that we just don't have the resources to be able to process it. So what often happens for most of us growing up around money is we are constantly seeing adults 
uh, freak out around money, talk about money. Um, we go to shops, <laughs> adults are shouting at us when we want to buy a specific thing. They don't always, and that's not their fault, right? Uh, sometimes we're just having off days and we know what that's like. So then you're shouting at a two-year-old who knows nothing of an off day and they're just learning. And every time they go to a shop and they want something, they get shouted at. And so they start associating, being shouted at, uh, wanting something and going to pay at the till with... Um, an unregulated nervous system. And I'll talk about regulated and unregulated nervous systems shortly, <laughs> right? But they start associating it where they start associating going to the shop and paying for things with anger, with being upset, with being shouted at, right? And that can lead to some, um, that can also be extremely traumatic to a child because they don't go to work. They don't understand uh, the idea that money runs out, right? And the way that they've been told that money runs out is through shouting, screaming, how dare you, all these things. And that leads to uh, them starting to associate fear, anger, guilt, shame, etc., with money, right? And not only that, it's that we, um, we are also human beings that don't just respond to what is being said in, the, in that moment, but also what we are sensing emotionally and also physically from others in our space. So one of the best ways to explain this is, have you ever been in a doctor's office or doctor's office, a bus stop anywhere, actually, where someone starts tapping their feet, right? And pretty soon, the next person starts tapping their feet because they're nervous. And then before you know it, everybody's starting to tap their feet. And a part of that is because we're responding to each other's um, emotional states at all times. What we usually call it is, well, I can sense your energy. But it's also that we are able to sense each other's nervous systems. So as children growing up in a household where, say, even though you're not shouting around money or you're not screaming or you're not crying or you're never showing frustration with your uh, kids around money, just that every time you're balancing the books, every time they talk about money, every time um, they need money for something and your nervous system starts to change, even if you think you're hiding it, most times they are sensing it right so then the nervous system is retaining that memory to say well this is how you one responds whenever they have to deal with money right and so if that continues and we never ever get to a point where like oh well every time i pay for something i'm calm or my kids see me really being calm whenever i'm dealing with money they tapping into that trauma that is unprocessed within the nervous system, right? And so let's talk about what is it that even leads to what is a regulated and an unregulated nervous system? Because, whew, okay, this one is, uh, this is actually one of my favorite topics around trauma. Often when we're talking about trauma and a regulated and unregulated nervous system, most people tend to think that we should all, a regulated nervous system is a nervous system that is constantly calm, you know, or a nervous system where we are always chilled and relaxed. That's not actually the case, right? A regulated nervous system is a nervous system that is able to expand and contract, right? So the best way to describe that is a nervous system that is um, like, let's say, if I get angry and I get scared, I can feel the fear, I can get scared, but then I come right back into a state of 
relaxation, not right back, but you know what I mean. Like in a like after a few hours, I come back to a state of relaxation, and that is a regulated nervous system. It's not that we never get. We're never not chilled. It's not that we don't get angry, we don't feel scared, we don't feel anxious when we deal with money. That would be inhuman. That would make us not human beings. Okay, so um, that is what a regulated nervous system is, and then an unregulated nervous system, especially around money, right? Is a nervous system that is constantly. On edge, where often you have a hard time calming down, right? So you are always ready for the、uh, for the other shoe to drop, right? And most of us actually are like this with money because of how we were brought up, right? So I'll use myself as an example. Growing up, I saw my family,、uh, well, my mom in particular, go through a lot of boom and bust, and there were a lot of moments where my mother would have. So, grow as a little child, where we had everything. I didn't have to ask for anything really. It was catered to me. My mom drove the latest cars, everything. Then she lost it all. And we had periods where there was no food in the house, where you can't make, a, where literally she didn't even know where the next meal was going to come from. So as a child, I'm growing up in this, and in those moments, I learned to always be anxious around money. What I saw was my mom always anxious around money, always screaming, always fighting with her siblings. So yeah, that was the other dynamic. She and her Siblings, my aunts and my uncles were always fighting around、uh, about money, and they had seen that with my grandparent, with my granddad and his siblings, and then with、um, who, and then they had my grandparents, well, my granddad had seen that with、um, his parents, right? So this was how they were behaving with money. So it was always this constant. Oh my gosh! What's going to happen? And、um, are we going to be able to have food today? Are we going to be able to have transport money? Is it safe for me to ask for、um, money for the school trip? Will my mom freak out around money? Will she have a meltdown? Will she get upset? Will everyone around me get angry that I had a basic need where money was concerned? So what ended up happening is that my nervous system completely got unregulated around money, right? Especially where money was concerned. What I learned was to always be in survival mode around money. I could never calm down where money was concerned. I always had to be on edge, and even though that felt uncomfortable in my body. And it felt emotionally uncomfortable. It also felt safe because that is what my nervous system knew, right? And I even believe that if I, the more on edge I was, and the more I worried about money, the more I was ready for whatever happened financially. I hope that this is resonating with people, right? So, for most of us, even though a situation feels unsafe, and I often say to people, this also explains why most of us stay in abusive situations. It's not that people want to be in abusive situations, but it's that this is how we have learned in abusive relationships, right? Is that even though it's not physically safe. For our nervous system, this feels safe. We've often heard women that say, "Well, he doesn't ill treat me, so I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop." And I know a lot of people, especially on social media, when people say such things, we go ham and we get upset. Oh my God, how can someone say that? But actually, it makes a lot of sense where trauma is concerned. When you start understanding how trauma operates in the body, is that 
you will always be recreating the situation that feels safe, that allowed you to grow up to be this old, you know? So if I grew up in an environment that was chaotic, either around love and intimacy or was chaotic around money, I will keep recreating that environment because in my nervous system at a cellular level, that is what feels safe for me, even though it's unsafe. So what I want you to realize is that safety has nothing to do with, okay, I feel safe now, right? Like it has nothing to do with um, physical safety, so to speak. It has everything to do with what the nervous system has deemed as this is what keeps me alive. So if my entire background story tells me that always being on edge in a relationship always worrying about uh, being um, ill-treated is what feels safe. Suddenly going into a space where I'm 100% relaxed and I'm being treated like a queen actually doesn't feel safe for me. And I always say to people, I love using the relationship story because it helps us understand better. Because most of us, like if you're me, you'll understand why even though you want to be treated so nicely, you suddenly are going after the bad boy. And you're constantly obsessed with the bad boy who doesn't return your calls. And you feel absolutely bored with the man that follows up, returns your calls, doesn't keep you on edge. And that was also my trauma, by the way. I had to work through it and heal it. But they're not so completely separate, right? They have the same kind of, um, I guess, like the same kind of root cause, which is that it just didn't feel safe for me to be with the man that treated me like gold, right? So for most women, we and when we hear this, we absolutely are like, yeah, like, this is why, like, the good guy sometimes bored me, and it took a lot of trial and error to suddenly be like, no, <laughs> I'm done with the bad boy, right? But that is kind of uh, the attraction, is that we tend to associate that kind of inconsistency with love, with safety, and so we go for what we know and that's what feels safe because that is something that the nervous system understands when it comes to say relationships and it's the same way with money this is why some of us will make lots of money and why we'll sometimes completely blow it or why we'll have the great real estate portfolio, great real estate deals and sabotage them or why we'll take on more risk in real estate than we want even when we see it and we know that this is not good for us. It's because if I grew up in an environment where there was so much financial uncertainty and I and my entire nervous system felt safe by always being on edge and associates being on edge with safety, then that is what I'm going to recreate in my financial situation as an adult. So I'm really, um, I hope this is starting to make sense. But here's the thing. So if that is how I grew up, right, and that's what feels safe for me, having kids isn't suddenly going to make me go, ooh, I am going to feel safe by creating a consistent, uh, safe financial environment for my kids where we never run out of money or we where I am now saving or I am investing like a machine and I'm doing this regularly. That's not going to happen because what you're going to just the fact that you're having kids isn't suddenly going to make you go like, oh, 
I'm going to be a great money manager or I'm going to change my financial behaviors. No, because the trauma is alive in your body. And every time your subconscious mind has to deal with money, it's accessing the memories stored in your nervous system and saying, oh yeah, that's the association. Whenever I deal with money, the thing that has kept me alive is to always be on edge with money. So this is what I need to do with money. I need to create a situation that keeps me in survival mode or keeps me on edge when it comes to money. So we recreate that and we do it so unconsciously. And I almost want to say it's really not our fault. <laughs> you know, this is just what feels safe for us in that moment. And here's the thing. Um, so let, this is a good time to share the studies done around um, uh, the mice because that will help you then understand what's, how this is then passed on from uh, how this kind of behavior and reaction around money is passed on from generation to generation. So there's this really incredible study done around, well, there's several studies done around mice and trauma. So the one that I'm going to talk about is my favorite. There is a study on mice and cherry blossoms. There was a study done on mice and cherry blossoms where these mice were electrocuted every time they smelled cherry blossoms. So they, the researchers would introduce the smell of cherry blossoms into the, um, into the room and then the mice would be uh, electrocuted. Not fun for the poor little mice. I really feel for them, right? So they did this for a few weeks and then they stopped. They never electrocuted any mice again anytime they smelled cherry blossoms. But then these mice, the nervous system, their nervous system had started to bond or to connect the smell of cherry blossoms with electrocution. So anytime they introduced the smell of cherry blossoms um, to the mice, whenever they had, they uh, would uh, bring in cherry blossoms, um, and the mice would smell these cherry blossoms, they would shiver and shake and freak out. So they started being scared of cherry blossoms because to them cherry blossoms accompany, was accompanied by pain. And then they saw that like with every generation, they never ever electrocuted any mice after that. But every generation that was born, the kids of the mice, every time they smelled cherry blossoms, they would also shiver and shake and freeze. And then the next generation, the grandchildren, same thing. Until they got five generations in, none of these mice had ever been electrocuted. Only the um, great, great, great grandparents of the mice had been electrocuted whenever they smelled cherry blossoms. But now five generations later, every time those mice smelled cherry blossoms, they would shiver and shake and freeze and go into a trauma response. Right. And so then they started to realize that actually this is epigenetics inheritance. This we're not just we're not just inheriting the good looks and charm of our ancestors. We're also inheriting some of their fears. But here's the beautiful thing. They also, they've also done studies that show that we inherit the solutions and wisdom of our ancestors. So not all is lost. So they've done studies on mice who they drop them into a maze and these mice have to find their way out of the maze. And what they found is that the first generation of mice uh, struggled, but then with every generation, they got out of, the uh, out of the maze even faster, right? So by maybe the fifth generation, you drop the mouse into, you drop a mouse into a maze and they just like <laughs> find their solution. No problems. They find their way out of the maze so much quicker and sometimes at the first or second try. So what's happening then? Well, 
what they realized was that we're actually passing on, that the other mice were passing on the solution to the maze with every generation, right? And it's the same for us. We're not just passing on trauma and fears. We're also passing on solutions and wisdom around money. So, what, but the problem comes with that trauma keeps us in survival mode. It's almost like trauma has us in the grips. And for most of us that have dealt with deep money trauma or even relationship trauma, we know what that feels like. And the best way, again, I'm going to use relationships to explain this just because for most people that is so much, um, we grasp it so much easier because we're a society that has explored that so much more and money is still such a scary topic for us. Um, we know what it's like to say, I want to leave a relationship where it doesn't necessarily have to be abusive, but this person is making me cry every single night and it feels like how, but I keep coming back no matter what, right? And it feels like I can't leave for whatever reasons, even though like there is no real tangible reason. We just seem trapped by that no matter how fearful and scary it is, right? And it can take a while to figure out that solution that like, you know what, I need to leave. Like this isn't going to get better. This relationship isn't for me. And so we see that play out with money as well. Is that even though we were struggling financially, parts of us may find it very, very hard to start um, investing, start um, going through the motions of saving, paying off our debt, um, increasing our income. And part of that has to do with the fact that the trauma has us in the grips, just like in the same way that the man or the woman who is causing us so much pain and trauma in the relationship has us in their grip and everybody around us is like, you gotta leave, this is crazy man, this is not healthy. No matter how much advice we get, we still keep coming back to that situation. And it's not because of lack of advice. It's not because we don't know we need to get out. It's not because we're not in enough pain. It's because the trauma has us in the grips because this is what, at, um, at a nervous system level, it's what feels safe to us. So... This again brings me to the parents who are having kids, but uh, just because we're having kids doesn't mean that our finances are going to automatically change. We already know that, right? So why is it that families have the same money patterns that, for example, for me, I could see engineers, nurses, doctors in my family having the same money patterns over and over as everybody else in the family. Well, for one, we have the same ancestral lineage, right? So in the same way that the mice were passing on the fear around um, cherry blossoms, our ancestors also passed down their fears and um nervous system responses around money to each and every generation, right? It's not, uh, so a good example would be, and not only is it passed down, but for humans, it's also reinforced with behavior. So for example, let's say my great, great grandparents, maybe they saw, which they did, they saw money as something uh, mysterious. Well, at least on my parts of them on my mother's side, right? Um, which is kind of ironic because my great grandfather made lots and lots of money. But let's talk about my grandfather and my great grandfather and my great grandfather on my mother's side, right? So um, they he was making lots of money. But he also felt really unsafe with money. 
everyone around him was accusing him of witchcraft. Um, he was going through the very most around money. So his kids never felt safe with money, right? With having money, with the fact that their father was making money. So whenever they had to deal with money, I'm assuming that whenever my great-grandfather had to deal with money and he was making all this money, then and he was attracting it and bringing it into his household then there was always a sense of it's not safe and his nervous system was feeling unsafe around money and unregulated and it was it wasn't a regulated nervous system because remember he's always dealing with this money he always has money on the premises but it never feels safe to have money so the feeling of unsafety never goes away he's always on edge around having money right and making money so it's constantly unregulated so whenever he's discussing money with his kids which would be my grandfather and his siblings it never ever feels safe to have money and to discuss money right and so they are learning so their nervous systems are learning that it's not safe to discuss money to have money to make money in any way well then fast forward to my grandfather who never felt who really never felt safe with having lots of money right um and making lots of money because well he learned that feeling of unsafety from his um from his father and so his nervous system never quite he didn't have the tools to regulate his nervous system when money was concerned so money always felt unsafe so one of the ways that he started to feel safe with with money was if having money feels unsafe then the, one of the easiest ways to start bringing any kind of safety into your nervous system may be to get rid of money, right? And so he was having boom and bust periods around money. So my mom and them would have like, they'd grow up in the big house, then they would move to a one, one room house. So they got to experience all these intense experiences around money right because sometimes it feels safe because what my grandfather saw was that well you can have money so at times he has money and you stay alive but then it's not safe to have money so he gets rid of the money so that he can come kind of bring safety into his nervous system so then you get my mom and her siblings and they literally recreated the booms and busts right so they have money they don't have money they get rid of money and not only that they also saw a lot of arguments around money a lot of fights around money so between themselves they then recreate the same kind of dynamic around money because remember even though it feels uncomfortable this family dynamic around money is the dynamic that feels safe i want you to always remember the crazy romantic relationships <laughs> so that we don't have judgment right because most of us have been through that where you're like i know this person is bad for me but for whatever reason i'm just not able to let go right so it's the same with money so they started recreating the same family dynamics around money well fast forward you have my cousins and my sister and i on my mom's side and uh, we then started recreating the same dynamics around money and why wouldn't we uh, because with every generation it was getting more and more entrenched not only was it in our nervous systems um, that money is not safe it's that the situation at home that is being created around money reinforces whatever memories, um, ancestral memories and fears we carry within our DNA, right? So yeah, every time we manage money, we're not even sure, just like the mice that smelled cherry blossoms. We're not even sure why we're shaking and shivering. We just know that it feels unsafe. Just again, just like those poor mice as they smell. Like, can you imagine five generations in, you smell cherry blossoms, you start shivering. 
It's just the way that things are. So for us, it was like, you're dealing with money. Well, I'm shaking and shivering. So no wonder when I then started my first company and started and had to make money, I started to get panic attacks. When I had to tell people the cost of my products and services and actually had to receive money, no wonder it felt scary for me. And I couldn't get out of bed because now this entire experience of being unsafe with money was such, was so deeply entrenched generations later in my nervous system. And like I said, not just deeply entrenched in my nervous system is that I had tons of generational proof to prove that was true. I had grown up in a household where sometimes money conversations wouldn't just lead to verbal fights and emotional fights. They would lead to physical violence. So for me, definitely having money, making money felt absolutely unsafe in my nervous system because I had actual real life proof. So every time um, my every time I had to deal with money, I would my subconscious mind would access those memories uh, that were backing up that belief that it is not safe to make money and it's not safe to have money. And I would then behave in a very particular manner around money, which was, how do I remain safe? The only way that I had seen everyone in my family remain safe around money was to have it and then get rid of it as fast as possible. So spend it recklessly, give it away to everyone. Yeah, we were very, were very big in other ways is like in terms of gifting because if someone else has it I don't have it so that must mean that I am safe so everything was being done to try and remain safe whereas the safety wasn't so much from the money it had to start from what was going on within my nervous system from being in my body and actually it, it was the same for everybody else in my family the entire ancestral lineage now for some of us it will be different uh, financial behaviors around money that lead us to behave in a certain manner around money but you'll see it right I have seen family members where people will buy property and for some reason properties will never um, uh, they'll lose the properties and it's happening to uh, the aunts the uncles the cousins and then we start to believe that Huh, that's just the family curse. In my, in our family, we just never hold on to property. Or in our family, we're just not the kind of family that ever attracts money or makes money in business. Well, a lot of that can, uh, if sometimes we need to trace where that comes from, and that's sometimes from an ancestral event or it's just ancestral trauma. Now, you don't have to know everything about your ancestral lineage in order to heal ancestral trauma. So I shared my story, right, about having panic attacks and all that. I mean, I did know my ancestral story, but that's because my parents talk a lot on either side, right? So like they tend to share the, the history. So I, I knew a lot about my money stories ancestrally, and I could eventually, as I was starting to understand how trauma worked in the body, um, I was able to put two and two together. But actually, I didn't start off by understanding trauma. I started off by just working with the breath and the body. So how do you start to work with intergenerational trauma? Well, as I've said, trauma is stored in the body. So the best way to do this work is to um, start by using a lot of somatic healing experiences. It's not something that we can think away because if you think about it, safety is such a visceral Oh, uh, yeah, like I think visceral is the right word. It's such a visceral thing, right? The, the point of the mind really is to keep us alive. 
it's not to help us expand and definitely not to help us expand financially. I mean, the mind can help us do that. But the mind's first goal is to keep us alive. So the mind will always work with the nervous system to keep accessing the memories that are stored there that haven't been integrated and processed to keep proving that actually if I um, lead you to this solution around money, this is the solution that will keep you alive and keep you safe. So if you make money and I feel unsafe with money, then the mind is always going to override any affirmation around, oh my God, I love money. It's going to be like, well, your love of money is going to get us killed because I have tons of ancestral stories and childhood memories to back this up that having money is not safe. So take a breather. I am now going to hijack the system and I'm going to make sure that your love of money, yes, you can attract money and you can receive money, but you will not hold on to money because that is going to get you killed. So your mind will then start to sabotage you. That's why you'll be, some of us will be like, I don't understand. As soon as I have money, I just can't hold on to it. Or as soon as I get more than five properties, everything falls apart. Or my properties, no matter what I do, can't seem to generate an income. Well, your mind is just keeping you safe, right? The parts of you that feel unsafe with money that your mind is accessing are hijacking the rest of your <laughs> brain. And they're just trying to keep you safe by having you get rid of money, right? By the way, this also works the same way with, um, have, with making money. Some of us will make money no matter what, right? Like um, some of us will get into situations that are completely unsafe, but as long as it leads to money and we're making money, and even though it's unethical, because for some of us, we went the reverse. We learned that money at all costs is how we stay safe, right? And then we're like, but I can't turn off my brain. I just, I can't like do like I can't differentiate between the ethical and the not, the unethical when it comes to money to making money, right? So these are also there's various trauma responses. I'm just using one, right? Based on my family stories around money and my family history around money. So how did I then change my money story? And this is really awesome, right? So let me share some of the things that I've been able to do in the last few years. So I went from someone that couldn't, I went from being someone who was $60,000 in debt because, well, MBAs are freaking costly, especially in the US. <laughs> um, so $60,000 in debt, um, even though my dad had given me some money for the MBA. Um, I was also um, always in overdraft. And I had, um, I owed a lot of friends money. So basically as a mess, I was never able to make uh, more than $500 pro uh, revenue, not even profit, more than $500 in revenue in three years in my first business. Because again, money felt completely scary and unsafe to me. So what I started to do was to start doing the work around not just the mind work, because I realized that affirmations and visualization uh, wasn't working for me for some reason. Well, not for some reason, but I just explained why, right? But um, so I started working with the body and going into the body to integrate the trauma that was stored in the body. And from there, I was able to pay off $60,000 in debt in four years. And and that debt was denominated in US dollars and pounds mainly. I was earning South African rands and was still able to pay it off. I moved back home from the US. I then, after the four years was up, I started traveling.
traveling, which I still do. So I build uh, my company. I started a new company, Wealthy Money, where uh, which is where I teach um, women of color how to heal ancestral money trauma, right? So they can save more and invest and earn um, and increase their income. And I've been doing that on the road. I've been able to build a six-figure business even as I travel. I have a team that I pay uh, monthly incomes to, and I also pay myself a monthly salary. Mm, I pay taxes. Uh, yeah, so, and I've also been able to gift my sister and my mom with uh, vacations to um, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, Thailand. So I've been able to do quite a bit. I've helped my mom renovate her house so that she can start renting it out and creating an extra stream of income for herself. I've helped my aunt get out of debt by just teaching them some while teaching my aunt some of this work, right? And one of the ways to work with trauma and to start breaking this um, generational pattern around trauma and money is to work with the body. So whenever we manage money, I'm going to give you just three really simple exercises to start you off. Whenever we manage money, what we actually want to do is we want to start um, working with the body and just observing first your breath, right? So whenever you go and you pay for things, how does your breath respond? Does it get shallow? Does it uh, speed up? Can you even feel your breath? Um, are you breathing regularly? So your breath is connected to your nervous system. It will help you see when um, you're emotionally out of sync whenever you manage money, right? So get into the habit of looking at your bank account and observing your breath when you do that. Get into the habit of observing your breath whenever you send an invoice. Get into the habit of observing your breath whenever you receive a payment. Um, and then also go into your body, right? You want to start observing the sensations in your body, sitting with that, observing them whenever you manage money, whenever you receive money, whenever you pay for things. You want to start observing how do the sensations in your body start to change? Where are you holding some emotions in your body? And the big thing that I feel like I have to mention is that for some of us, especially when we're dealing with deep trauma, we may completely dissociate from the body, right? We may completely numb out from the body and not be able to feel our bodies. That is quite normal. So just um, try to feel what you can feel, right? It may take uh, months, it may take years to start feeling the subtle emotions. But just practice, the more that you practice feeling um, into your body every time you pay, every time a client pays um, for anything, you start to feel, or you start to um, connect more and more with your body. And then you want to start breathing, right? You want to practice breathing deep belly breaths into um, as often as possible, even if it's just 10 minutes a day where you're just taking nice deep breaths into the belly. This will help calm um, your nervous system, will also um, help just bring you back to center, especially whenever you're dealing with money. So whenever you feel completely freaked out or dissociated or scared or you have a very... Um, what do I want to say? Like a very um, intense reaction around something with money. Take time out. Honestly, don't bother doing anything. Just give yourself that 10 to 15 minutes. Lie down or sit in a comfortable position and then just start breathing deeply into your body.
right? So that you start to calm your nervous system. And here's what happens as we start to calm our nervous systems. Yes, I do a lot. I mean, there's a lot more tools than this, right? Because we also have to integrate our childhood memories into the body. So as we integrate and process our childhood memories or our ancestral memories that are stored in the cells of the body, uh, our nervous system starts to regulate more and more, right? Because as we start to see, um, as we start to remove the charge around the memories and we start to see that there's a different reality um, around these uh, memories that we didn't even see because we were so gripped by the trauma. Every time the subconscious mind now accesses out goes into the nervous system to retrieve memories around money what it's finding is integrated memories where we have now shifted the way that we experience those memories or that we see those memories so then we start to it becomes easier for us to make different decisions around money and um, that for me is how I was able to quickly pay off debt, um, build my company as I was traveling, uh, start increasing my income and my revenue in my business is by just starting to integrate trauma in my body, right? Um, Especially the ancestral trauma. And now remember what I said about the maze and mice in the maze, right? The mice in the maze... Um, if you remember what I what I shared halfway through this podcast is that they are with every generation they were able to um, the first uh, when the great great grandparents figured out their way out of the maze it took them a while but a few generations later you could drop their descendants into the maze and they would easily figure out their way out of the maze it's the same with human beings we also carry solutions around money so there are some things that our ancestors did to earn money or to manage money that as we start to heal the trauma it becomes easier to access that wisdom or as we start to heal the trauma we start to remember small things from childhood right like lessons that we were taught in childhood around money it's because it was really really hard for me to when I was having panic attacks to be able to access the wisdom of oh yeah this is how uh, my mother saved money like it was hard for me to remember that hey my mom ran successful businesses for years before she lost money right and this is what I saw her do to run those businesses and to run them really well was she networked she got suppliers she did all these things all that knowledge was lost in my need to stay safe and to survive right Uh, So all I remembered were the bad times from childhood and I would just have panic attacks whenever I had to uh, run my business. But as I started to heal the trauma or rather the best uh, description for this is to integrate the traumatic memories into my nervous system, I I was able to remember a lot of the wisdom that I saw on how my mother ran her businesses and how she still runs her businesses, right? Because she started new businesses since then, how she managed money, how she saved money. And I was able to remember how like she's actually a really good saver, that she had tons of investments and the things that she invested in, all these things when she did have money. And I was able to start accessing that wisdom and that knowledge and that wisdom and knowledge has served me so well when I've been growing my business right and I was also able to remember that oh I've seen my dad build his business for years and he is incredible at operations you know so yeah he had boom and bust periods but he's 
very systematic. And what I saw growing up was my dad being the entrepreneur that put in systems in place, put in operations in place and use those operations and systems to create ease in his business and to start um, generating an income. And I literally didn't have to hire anyone to help me put systems and operations in place in my business. I just accessed a lot of that wisdom that my trauma was covering up around money. And I was able to just think in a very systematic manner and put in the same systems and operations. And now for some people, it's completely different. Maybe what you saw was how your mother used networks and would get on the call and have conversations with people and build relationships with people to sell her baked goods or to sell something. That is all wisdom that is within you right and i also very very funny thing this is how the property magicians podcast came to be as we were healing our trauma around money mizo and i remembered that oh what we saw growing up what i saw growing up was my grandmother used to have back rooms that she built that she would rent out to people and that's how she would make money my paternal grandmother and Mizo saw that with her mother and it changed how we viewed uh, real estate investing we started accessing that ancestral wisdom around real estate and it demystified property investing for us and changed how we were going to do property investing but not only that it also changed the kind of guests that we get on the Property Magicians podcast because now we could say, oh, wow, we are going to get those guests that can share this wisdom in a way that most people in South Africa and other African countries can understand that it is not the OTP, the offer to purchase, it's not the lawyers, it's not that. We have all observed this and that wisdom is within us, right? So that is really, really powerful. So this is why healing trauma can really change the game for us around money, but also um, not all is lost. Yes, our family, yes, our ancestors do pass down money trauma to us, but they also pass down these incredibly unique solutions around money, uh, around property investing, <laughs> which is really, really key. And as we start to heal the trauma, we start to access the wisdom. Okay, so I really, really hope that this class has been very beneficial to you. It's a podcast, but if you follow me on my Money Magic series, you know that every so often I do a class that is also a podcast. So wanted to do the same for the Property Magicians podcast. Um, and I really, really hope that you guys benefit from this. And if you're wondering, oh my gosh, how can I learn more about this? Is there a freebie? Yes, the great news is there is a freebie. <laughs> um, you can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash breathwork. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash breathwork. And you can get access to the breathwork meditation, which I've just spoken a lot about being in your body and breathing. This is one of the meditations that I use with people that are feeling super anxious and scared around money. So this is a breathwork meditation that you can download um, that you can do to help yourself get into your body and that you can um, start to use to help you feel less anxious and feel less scared whenever you're dealing with money. Uh, actually, in everyday situations, I actually recorded this for people during the pandemic and a lot of people have reported that it has really, really helped them with the anxiety around being uncertain of what's going to happen during this pandemic. And yeah, 
yeah, so I find I find that this is actually really, really powerful. So go check it out. And also, if you want to learn more about my work and you're interested in any of my courses, check out wealthy-money.com forward slash academy. Again, wealthy-money forward slash academy. And you can find me on the website at wealthy-money.com. Feel free to drop me your contact details uh, to send me an email or a message if you have any questions about any of my work. The best place to ask me questions or anything though is in the Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook, go and type in Wealthy Money, sign up, join the Facebook group, right? Or follow me on Instagram. Actually, my Instagram is more like a micro blogging just in the same way that the website has the blog i share a lot of great content around money and trauma and healing um a trauma and you can follow me at vanile makwakwa so one word my name and my surname and on twitter as well at vanile makwakwa so thank you so much property magicians for showing up and listening more and learning more about what i do i know whenever we do the property magicians podcast we're often um talking about property and we never and you guys always hear me so talking about how her how she got into property and how her income changed and her life changed when she started doing wealthy money work and healing her trauma around money this is what i do so thank you so much have a fantastic day further thank you for listening property magicians my name is vangile makwakwa and i am your host on the show i help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as vangile makwakwa.